0: Welcome to the Slash Pile. Woohoo! Very excited to uh, be recording today. Um, Listeners, you won't even know, although you might have felt a little bit of a pause for a while. We haven't recorded in quite a while, so we're really excited to be together today. Um, So, the Painter Bright Quarterly submits... uh, slush pile came out of our desire to share with you the editorial process um we like the idea of a transparency and uh your ability to see that we hand curate every single poem like the fanciest um barista you've ever seen so um We're, I keep saying we, 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 so I am Kathleen Volkmiller, and um, we're recording on Zoom, so we're all in different places, and I am in Collingswood, New Jersey, um, just outside of Philadelphia, and I am so happy to say hello to Marion Wren.
1: Zooming in from halfway across the world, Marion Wren, I'm here and happy to be here, Um, and I'm looking out my window, and the city lights are coming up. And I can see that some of the buildings are ready to celebrate National Day here in the UAE. So lots of green and green and green and red and white and black. It's gorgeous. So, and I am happy to say, Samantha, hello friend, where are you?
2: Hi, um, I am zooming in from Baltimore. I am in a neighborhood called Old Galsher, which is very tiny and small. And um, there are lovely trees everywhere that are pretty yellow today. Um, And uh, I'm a lecturer at Johns Hopkins and I've been with PBQ for six years, I think. Um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so I will now shoot it over to Alex
3: hello everybody I'm Alex I'm on I'm in on Long Island uh nice sunny day over here for me um and I don't know if we want to do a special introduction I think this is their uh first podcast uh I'm gonna punt it off north I don't know if I'm northeast or Northwest <laughs> of me but I <laughs> pass it over uh to oh Canada. <laughs>
4: Thanks, Alex. Uh, this is Dagny, Dagny Forrest here. I'm new on the PBQ team this year, been loving reading and got pulled into the podcast. and it's one of the nicest things I've ever been pulled into it's a it's a, it's a great treat um so I'm in Almont just outside of Canada's capital I am roughly north <laughs> from where you guys are um and you might not know because we've been talking baseball before this but you might not know that the founder inventor of basketball James Naismith is from Almont where I live oh. um. So is there a lot of basketball stuff around celebrating a lot of basketball stuff around? In fact, one of our main roads right now still has these funny white circles painted in the middle of them from when they did three on three sessions back in the summer.
0: Oh wow! (laughs) If if you're new to town, it's a little weird. Right, right. That's great. That's great. Well, I love Mm -hmm. when towns celebrate their own, you know, um, marion has a home in kannapolis north carolina which is the home of dale earnhardt did i say that right yeah so so the thing that i find amusing is a lot of things are named after him and all that but there's a uh park named after him and a statue where you know when they do those statues that are like just larger than life like, it's not like, you know, it's a like the, like the Lincoln Memorial, you know, it's not like that. It's, it looks like a human man, but larger. <laughs> That's the statue of him. Marion and I go there and we jump up in the air and pat his butt every time I we come We do. <laughs> we
5: do. And <laughs> I, believe, I
1: believe it's Dale Earnhardt Jr. and he was known as the Intimidator. So Kathy and I like to stand next to him and touch his butt um yeah. we're probably yeah. all kinds of nascar fans as we say
0: this <laughs> we say you're not intimidate nuts <laughs> yeah. i love it <laughs> yeah yeah so um we would love to chat with each other and just have you poor listeners hang in there but let's mm-hmm. let's not do that let's get to what we're here for um mm-hmm. We are so lucky to be able to discuss today uh, the work of Nick Visconti. Uh We have two poems by him, and I think that um, I'm gonna I'm gonna volunteer Dagny as that her initiation ritual is gonna be that she's got to read the first poem. What do you think? Right? Well, that's I that's actually, PBQ style Billy style. Yeah, There's right. On. Real
3: tough hazing uh, the PBQ here. Yeah,
0: this
5: <laughs> is how we haze.
4: Love this poem so I'm, I'm happy to read it i was kind of hoping right. I might get the chance so thanks for throwing me into it <laughs> all right all right it's called burial burial it is love not grief which inters the deceased in a hill made of clay sod embraces crossed arms legs eyes shut looking forever at nothing beneath our feet a container for men unmade, no boat to speak of, no oars darkly dipped in water as we pictured it would be. Instead, a single shred of light piercing every lens it catches. Instead, a pathway none cross, just follow through and up and up the cusp of ending, nothing at all like the end. He isn't in this yard when his children roam. Still, they dig. They expect to find him. Braided leather, steel-wound aglets, his black opal intact.
5: Amazing. Beautiful reading. Beautiful
1: reading.
2: Thank you.
5: Well,
1: I'm, I'm sorry. I need to look up the word aglet. The heck
4: is an ag- well, an aglet is a metal cylinder wrapped around the end of your shoelaces, for example. Yep.
5: Yeah, Which is
4: what directed me to pronounce it as wound because the first time I saw it, my brain wanted to say wound. Mm, right. And I thought, well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I love right. that because we have the reference to the River Styx early on in the poet, in the poem. And then with the braided leather and the steel wound Mm -hmm. aglets and the black opal, I mean, it speaks to me of grave goods.
5: Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
4: I mean, it says a lot of things to me, but that's one thing that it brings to mind. Yeah.
1: Wait, Agni, say that again. It speaks to you of what?
4: Of grave goods. Right. So, you know, um, the ancient Greeks, they would, uh, and, and other cultures, right, uh, who would put special items um, into the grave with the lost person, right, with the with, with the dead, um, you know, in some cases, it was a coin in the mouth, right, to help them make that river crossing across the river Styx, but there, there were other items too, and I think I don't know. I'm really interested to hear what other people think, but I I got two primary things from the ending of this poem, which is very surprising after what comes before, right? It suddenly becomes so specific. And to me, it was kind of about yeah, I mean, if you were to go and (laughs) dig up someone you'd lost, you'd kind of be expecting to find them exactly as you'd last known them and seen them Mm -hmm. with those items that um spoke to who they who they are right physically um but 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 because of that reference of crossing the river it 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 Mm -hmm. also made me think of grave goods and and what you might send along with someone after death
0: sure right i
1: i i particularly love um that the cusp of ending right and the up and up right Mm -hmm. so like that it's almost like smoke rising the way the poem works. A pathway none crossed just follow through and up and up the cusp of ending, nothing at all like the end like that. And the the the, the beauty of those lines, the way they sit on the page really is just so moving,
4: really moving. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I had like a physical response to that. I
5: yeah. agree. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It makes me think of um, like the medieval, um, way of burial into the sea and then you know you shoot the arrow and it goes up and kind of that contrast between putting the dead in the ground or or rising yeah. and right. how those lines up and up and they dig are are separate um right. it, it's, mm-hmm.
5: pretty,
2: it's a beautifully structured poem i think too
0: yeah
4: i really agree with that
0: yeah. Yeah. I, 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 i'm sorry go ahead alex
3: well, I, I I was just thinking of how our view of death is obviously told from the people who are living. I like I know that sounds obvious on this front, but like uh like on the deceased person's side, their body decays, they're still going through a process. And that's what I thought about, like a pathway non-cross but follow through, where it's like it's just a, another transitionary kind of period for the the body of the person. Like, and, but meanwhile, it's a departure for us. Like the cognitive fun- functions have ceased and the person we know is gone. So I think it's kind of like the poem is having those two ideas like cross paths with each other. Like the live dead binary versus a uh, 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 body kind of entering the earth and becoming part of the earth in its own need, the way nature works.
4: Yeah, taking on a different form of existence, almost, Alex. Yeah,
3: that's true.
0: Guys, I feel like you're understanding something a little bit better than I am. So the, the name of it is burial. And we have all the water sticks references, right? And then, you know, as Dagny did from the beginning, I got that those parts of him are what would still be left, the leather, the steel aglets and the black opal, right? If you did unbury him. That's the part you'd find. Um, But where I'm confused is the we and the uh, we have a container. uh, Sorry, as we pictured it would be. But then we have his children. Right. Um, And it's called burial, but they're digging to find him. Mm-hmm. not burying him, so I'm just a little confused about, I'm trying to connect those dots there, well, how there is a we in an hour, but then a his.
4: Absolutely, and and as part of that, Kathleen, that single shred of light piercing every lens it catches, it made me think that sounds more as though it would be from the perspective of the dead, and I I I, I feel like I'm trusting that this poem is sort of shifting back and forth from survivors who are considering burial and death and loss and the experience of it somehow because um, even that black opal at the end to me speaks of a pupil of an eye.
5: Mm-hmm. Um,
4: it, it, I mean it, it's a really beautifully chosen item and an image in my mind because it it helped me to connect, to, to connect back to the middle of the poem and to start make, you know, to, to make more sense of it. Cause I agree with you, Kathleen, there's something kind of fundamentally, it's like being in a dryer, right? A tumble dryer, we're sort of being whirled around with it, but I feel like the clues that that were left yeah. in this
2: poem kind of help you to follow the path somehow. Yeah. There's, there's, um... The feeling too of um, like what happens right after burial here and I feel, especially in that third stanza, well kind of the second to the third where that looking forever at nothing um, beneath our feet, I think also makes me think of just the idea of the afterlife and kind of different um, conceptions of it. And it also makes me think of that line in Anne Carson's autobiography of red, where she says um, yeah. to live past the end of your myth is a perilous thing. And oh, I feel like this poem is making me think about like what we believe in happens to someone after they're put in the ground or risen up and how that, that become that life force of them. And us the living like kind of congeals and so that's why I think Kathy what you're saying makes sense to me too because I think it's intentional that congealing actually and that movement between the living and the buried one
0: yeah yeah and if you look back to the first sentence it is love not grief which inters the deceased yeah. right that works with that read Sam thank
5: you you know, and this conversation is so helpful because there's something about the energy
1: of this poem that just like is transporting me, right, like from the beginning to the end, right, but if it, but Kathy's like, like, you know, well noted, there's a, there's a break, right, at, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the, the last, uh, two, I guess, well, three, right, um, the way they dig is set off, it's, he isn't in this in this yard when his children roam, still they dig, they expect to find him. That section of the poem really signals a turn, right? From the stuff that's mm-hmm. come before. It. And it's, as Dagny suggests, it's, it's almost like the first part, and Sam's pointed out too, it's almost like sort of like theorizing, right? Like, you know, hy- hypothesizing about what it is that drives the impulse to bury, right? And then this very practical, grounded, pragmatic, Almost like the child's approach is like, well, well, if we put him in the dirt, he's got to be in the dirt. Where'd he go? Right? Like a kind of right, right. The practical, right. So the structure of the poem for me, if I look at it that way, doesn't split as much as spiral, right? Like it is, it sort of spirals into the specificity of that that last image of of kids looking.
4: Oh yeah, I agree. It it's it's a proper interrogation. Um, but just done so lightly.
2: At first, too, I wasn't in love with the line sod embraces, crossed arms, legs, eyes shut, but I've come around to it because I do think that it actually kind of um infuses like spirit or entity-ness in a way into sod. And I like that, like kind of removing us from kind of the the human even kind of conception of these things and moving into like being part of the natural world in this moment. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that in some ways it could look, that, that stanza felt a bit decorative or something to me the first time I read it. But then when I really think of the sod as actually an active agent, it becomes much more interesting to me.
5: I like that. You wanna hear it again? Let's hear it again. That'd be nice. Sounds great.
1: Dagny, that's me nominating you. I got it.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Burial. It is love, not grief, which inters the deceased in a hill made of clay. Sod embraces, crossed arms, legs, eyes shut, looking forever at nothing beneath our feet, a container for men unmade, no boat to speak of, no oars darkly dipped in water as we pictured it would be. Instead, a single shred of light piercing every lens it catches. Instead, a pathway none cross, just follow through and up and up the cusp of ending. Nothing at all like the end. He isn't in this yard when his children roam. Still, they dig. They expect to find him. Braided leather, steel-wound aglets, his black opal intact. Love it more every time.
5: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I guess we know I how you are going I'm sorry, I'm not being very
2: subtle. Thanks for decompose. the bad attention, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> Does the eye decompose uh, slower? I don't know. Is it? Is it one of the last things to go? The what? The eye. Ew. Oh,
0: no, no, they're not soft about and mushy. Yeah, they so they last off. a while. I think uh, they're going. I think they go fast. They're mushy. Okay. okay. They're wet. They're mushy. Yeah. They're going to deteriorate
4: quick. Sorry, Great question. <laughs> and it was just Halloween, so I know. Oh.
3: <laughs> we're also recording this on the second day of the dead. So yeah.
1: yeah. all right? You're giving me the shkivats.
5: All, I- <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right.
0: I think on that note, we need to vote. <laughs> Okay, here we go. Good. One, two, three, vote. Boom, bam, Boom. <laughs> Yeah, we, we we When it's unanimous, we do tell unanimous <laughs> listeners and Nick. Thank you so much, Nick Visconti. Um, you know, I'm really. I know I'm a I'm a, I'm a girl boss, but um. We didn't have the pleasure of Sam for so very long sure. that I would like to have been told her to be the um, reader of the second poem that we have today.
2: I accept this honor. Thank you, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, Unmake these things. The sand before me like water, fluid and holy. Under the cratered crown, nearly half awake, circling. As I draw the one way I know, stick figures in a backdrop scenery, thick headed and content, wheeling, palms of birds, wide sloping M's, grouped in permanent murmur. I don't bother with the sun's face, bare in the upper left corner of the page. I've made a habit out of hoarding ornaments, given them their own orbit like the russet ichor? Dashed with cinnamon, I choke down every morning and afternoon. The city's puncture-prone underbite nips, the sky, consuming the bodies above. Thunderheads, billboards, notched, alive in the glow of that always durial square. There's been talk lately of irreversible chemistry, an acceptable stand-in for cure among believers and experts, in and on the subject of zolov sponsored serotonin. At first weaning is possible. Do not bother with a second.
0: And listeners, that is the sound of thinking. You're thinking. I find this
4: poem a lot more challenging. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm so interested to hear other people's thoughts because I can find elements that I like, but I'm just I don't know where I am with it.
3: There's this weird like beachy haze I'm getting. Like it's not fully, but it's in pockets in the poem, and I think I, I'm thinking of Zoloft, I'm thinking of like the half awake there's there's this drowsy sunny but drowsy kind of like it's hot and I can't think so I'm just like yeah whatever I don't know I'm doing you can see this because obviously podcast visual medium but I'm moving my hands around a lot kind of in weird kind of emotions right now
2: like the birds
3: yeah Mm -hmm. Mm.
4: yeah like those wheeling birds yeah, it, it, there's there's definitely a palpable sense of uh, confusion. I think haze is a great word, Alex. I mean, I I have one theory on what this poem might be quote unquote about, but it just sorry, Marion, you're you're on mute. Of course, I'm on mute. It's like the first time I've ever touched Zoom. Good <laughs>
1: Lord. Good <laughs> luck, but, but I'm sorry, and, and here I am interrupting your flow. What were you going to say?
4: Well, I—I <laughs> I mean. there's some really cool images in here right and 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 clearly references to what seemed to be drawing right and and kind of a simple style of drawing and all of that and there are the references to medication uh both in terms of like icor but also the, the zoloft and so it's making me think of like doing art therapy in the psych ward um so so that the time that I've spent with this poem has kind of landed me there, but I also feel like I could be completely wrong-footed on that.
1: I, listen, I, I think that's where I was gonna jump in. Like for me, the poem starts to like um, sediment maybe with, there's been talk lately of irreversible chemistry an acceptable stand-in for cure among believers and experts in and on the subject of Zolov sponsored serotonin. A first reading is possible, do not bother with the second, is like the sort of imperative at the end of the poem. Feels really like um where like like the like the spiral lands into that. So I'm with I'm actually with you. I think the first part of the poem is really about um drawing and an effort at um making images. And like the the eye core dashed with cinnamon, I choked down every morning and afternoon. You know, there's something about like the the use of colors um, in in this painting, right? Um, or this active painting. And then and then there's like this sort of drifting gesture, like Alex said, right, the sort of haziness, the city's puncture prone, underbite nips the sky, consuming the bodies above, right? Like, it's almost as if this the, the speaker of the poem is going from this sh- like gesture of painting or looking at these paintings, looking up at the city and then sort of sitting back into like, you know, a chem- like a, a contemplation of, of better living through chemistry.
4: <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And trying to match up these two visions as it were. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. My gosh, Dagny, do I think you nailed it with something about, like, uh, you know, the p- potentially art therapy and a the psych ward. Um, Marion, where do you get paintings?
1: So maybe it's not paintings, but it's like, I, as I draw the only way I know, right? So the sand the person- performing with water, fluid and holy under the creator crown, nearly half a week, circling as I draw. The only way I know stick figures in a backdrop
0: scenery, right? Wide sloping M's. You know how you make those M birds, where the you know. Um, so the person is creating is sketching, right? The pe- person, right? I, and I actually Ooh, love
5: yeah. that yeah, right? wide sloping yeah.
0: M's grouped in a permanent murmur. Yeah, oh, it's a
4: brilliant image.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, there's yeah. so many. Um, there's so much great language here. The I uh, think Marin already read it. The city's puncture prone underbite nips the sky. I, I know. Gosh. Gosh. Mm-hmm. How about even the always journal square? I don't know how to pronounce it, but that means that's uh, every day, right?
4: Diurnal, yeah, exactly. It's always day. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's perpetual daytime, which you, you would see in parts
0: of a city. Yeah.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: So that, that, um, that constantness, like Marion's, and then the you know, Zoloft haze, right? From these, this, the repetition of the mundanity of every day, you know,
5: Mm -hmm.
0: permanent murmur. Uh, what is a habit of hoarding ornaments?
1: Yeah, I've made a habit of hoarding hoarding ornaments given given them their own orbits, like the rusted I-Core with cinnamon I choked down. So I have such trouble parsing that line, but it's it's sort of like the, I don't know, it's sort of like he's integrating two images at once, like the speaker's integrating these two images, like um,
0: hoarding ornaments, what a word, ornament. I, I, yeah supporting ornaments sounds great too or,
5: yes, or their it, own right.
1: if, it, if it and if it is someone who's I don't know like if we're in an artist studio or if we're in the psych ward in a in an art therapy class I'm not sure which right it's sort of like this I've I've been collecting these ornaments and they remind me of this thing that I choke down every morning right like the the
5: like medicine this,
1: it's like a it's like a gesture of of comparison or integration of resonance. You know what I mean? Which is exactly I think what's happening in that first stanza: the sand before me, like water, fluid and holy, under the cratered crown, nearly half a week circling, as I draw the right, like as the one way I know right. So there's like this this sort of loopy gesture of description, and then it lands in the second stanza with the act of drawing. But I'm not hundred percent sure I can. That that's what's happening.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I'm really intrigued by that the use of that word Icker, because I I my understanding is that it is blood of the gods that humans become sick from if they take it. And I'm wondering if like we're meant to believe through kind of a few uh separations of guesstimation, if the this is scientists as as gods who are trying to help him um and yeah and then my other question is um or where I still get thrown though I like it is I think my in the beginning I'm I'm picturing this person like in a natural environment on the beach playing with sand and then after kind of, I think, Dagny's astute, like, explanation of perhaps this could be, like, in some kind of facility, and they're doing actual sand art or something. I don't really visualize. I, I in emotion, I feel that, but in, in the visuals, I don't see that.
4: I'd absolutely
2: agree yeah. with that,
4: Sam. I, and I And that's why I was so tentative about saying, this is where I've landed, but I'm not actually sure that's where I've, properly been led, that I can, you know, that I can trust the signs, as it were. Um, I have experience of visiting a friend, <laughs> a dear friend who spent time doing art therapy on the psych ward multiple times. So I, you know, so I think it, for me, that came strongly to mind, but it, but it could be way off base. I like your reading, Sam, about the I-Corps relating back to the gods that physicians yeah. tend to be, especially for someone who's in that very vulnerable position um and icor is also weirdly the word that we give to the fluid that weeps from a wound um which is some weird human impulse to then tie it back to the
0: blood of the gods but
5: yeah wow
0: yeah i didn't know that second definition and i didn't know it made humans sick sam so that really is fascinating
5: yeah Uh, oh yeah Yeah, the first poem I felt so, even though it had its
4: own um, mystery to it, and I think it can be read in different ways, I still felt this kind of guiding hand through the poem, which I don't feel here. Here, I kind of feel I'm in free fall, trying to grab at things to to be sure. And, I mean, and maybe we don't need to be sure, right? But I, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm a lot less certain.
1: I wonder too what you all make of the title and I'm being a wise ass because it's unmake these things, right? So mm-hmm. like I often think about how titles um, work to capture something essential or situate a poem in some either thematic or conceptual way, right? And so uh, to call it unmake these things, it's almost like casting a reverse spell, right? Like.
4: Un, like the, it's an undoing right um which which could be all kinds of things including throwing off an unwanted diagnosis or um right. uh, just the, the burden of being on medication um you know a- often that's for life
3: right right I'm also like tiny unmake into like a uh the word itself is like a weird contradiction where it's like yeah they're they're drawing or painting these things but the in reduction like in a reduction form like stick figures in the backdrop scenery instead of so like so they're not drawing like an actual person they're drawing a stick figure they're kind of that make and the un kind of work together in a different way in in this land of poetry like the birds become Ms. they're not the shape that we know them as, or the shape we're rep- this person representing them as on like a canvas or a piece of paper.
1: Yeah, and I but I think that ties in with Dagny's reading of the end too. It's like unmake these things like a diagnosis. So so there it is, right? Yeah. Um, there's talk lately of irreversible chemistry, not chemistry as in Zoloft, but chemistry in the body, right? That's irreversible an acceptable stand-in for cure among believers and experts in and on the subject of Zoloft-sponsored serotonin, right? Like, so that the Zoloft comes in as the cure for this irreversible chemistry, right? A first meaning is possible, do not bother with the second. It's like, it's that that thump at the end is, is the thing that feels like might be at the heart of the wish for unmaking, right? Like, there's no way out of this
5: you
0: know yeah this is it yeah 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 serotonin you know is responsible for so many things it's mood thinking memory cognition you know it's so it's so many things zoloft sponsored serotonin i i um i like that a lot it was, it was a surprise with all these other words to get a brand in there. Right. Yeah. That was a little bit almost, almost like, Ooh, like disconcerting. Um, but I think it works with its, its intention is, um, it works with its intention. I think it does what it's. Yeah.
1: No, no, I don't I, know. It's it's funny. I like spending time with this poem, right? And sometimes that's like Kathy said. This, you know, if she said it once. It's a million times. But every time I hear it, it's like the first time that you know, you know, a poem is is powerful if you want to spend time with it, right? Or if you're just like moving on, <laughs> right? Yeah,
5: I'm,
4: yeah. I mean, for a reasonably short poem, there's a lot of layers. In here it, yeah. and it almost feels like a puzzle um but that you can get somewhere with the puzzle you know you might not you're not going to complete it but <laughs> but it's satisfying to try
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, i get enough meaning i don't need to know every mm-hmm. little bit and i get to so many incredible moments where the language the language will linger if the meaning doesn't the language well
5: shall we vote oh it's such a that is you just oh if
1: that is not at the heart of this right like <laughs> like language that lingers and meaning like the need for meaning right and that it's a poem right and that poems work in those in those like in the, in and across those dimensions, right? It, it's not a thesis-driven, f- fact-ridden essay, Joy. right? It's it's doing some other thing. And it's slushies, but you can't see. Everyone's nodding and then waving fingers at me, right? Like Alex. Well,
3: I'm gonna make a joke because I feel like <laughs> you're saying a lot of words and I'm like hashtag mood. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag mood. I, 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 <laughs> because i mean like or vibes if you will i guess the kids right. say like i as, right. i'm I'm teaching i'm teaching a workshop and i'm reminded of relatively the yeah. the, the age of like oh right. right so me saying vibes and mood i feel like some like teenagers like sneezing somewhere and they don't know why
5: <laughs> right. um
0: I I I, I want to vote.
5: Okay, let's do it. I can't let's look. Yeah. Can't. Yep. All right.
0: Ready? All right. One,
4: two, three. Vote. Oh, so interesting. And it's it. Ah! <laughs> oh, wow.
5: It is. Oh, in.
1: Well, she's. You couldn't see, but I pulled my shirt over my head. <laughs> 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 I don't want to see it. <laughs> oh, she won't ever look. Yep, I don't like looking. I don't like looking yeah. when we vote. That's amazing. That's wonderful. Lucky us. Thank you, Nick Visconti. Lucky, These lucky are- us. Um,
0: Thank yep. you so much, Nick Visconti, for allowing us to have this conversation today and for sending your poems to us in the first place. Yes. Greatly appreciated. And now, Mary and I can tell the story of our memoration. Yeah. oh my god. Please, please do tell that story. Well, you're gonna jump in. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the beginning because you would never say it this way. So Marion and I went to a writer's retreat in upstate New York. And this was the January before COVID befell us, right? Yeah. Speaking of befallen, Marion <laughs> Marion, uh, we were in a huge, gorgeous old house with a group of lovely people. And um I am here to stand you know as witness that marion drank one glass of wine with a very large meal and then uh folks in the other room were calling out that they had finally got a fire built and she went gambling into the sunken living room and fell and broke break both her legs pretty much that's actually pretty much true so i had yep. be fallen and could not get up <laughs> um, yeah. true yeah. story she had to spend the majority of the rest of the retreat weekend in a bed
1: yeah. being brought
0: things um after know, and in
1: retrospect listening to the the pandemic spread right like I was laying there listening to the news and working and writing and all my lovely friends were being lovely and bringing me things upstairs but the um the this is true. I it was the first time I had a, a break in almost twenty years of teaching, and I, the first thing I did was break my leg. Um, mm-hmm. Then I got in a car with a broken, with a let's say bro- a broken left foot and a sprained right foot, and drove
0: eight hours. calf right? Yeah. To, so then we to then to had to drive down to. Um... It was her mother-in-law's car, and she had to drop it back off in in her mother-in-law's area. But so we're driving, and we're both kind of looking up in the sky and saying, what could this be? Now, Mary and I also had the privilege of being in Austin and watching the bats fly out from under the bridge, that famous thing that happens in Austin. And we're just staring at this black line in the sky that we could not see the end of in either direction. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like, because everything was feeling very much, what is happening? We didn't know whether to be afraid or filled with joy. Right, man. Bounce it right okay. to right you. And now. So we pulled over to the side of the road, <laughs> we're, looking, we're
1: looking through the, 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 sunroof in the car and it's, and it's, it's the annual migration of geese and in, in a near Lebanon, Pennsylvania. And it's really a, a beautiful sight to see Like bird watchers come out to see it. And Kathy and I just stumbled on it. Yeah. And it really
0: rejected I was just gonna say, we were driving in the same direction as the murmuration. So that was another reason why it felt like it was endless because mm-hmm. we were migrating with them, the exact yeah. path yeah. of the yeah. bird. It was yeah. incredible. Yeah, true. true True. story, yeah. True story, murmuration. A moment, a moment of grace in all of the chaos, you know? Migrations, Migrations. yeah, it was really
1: something.
5: That's yeah. an amazing story.
0: <laughs> and yeah. so now we have this um wide sloping M's grouped in a permanent murmur from okay. the, the poem by um Unmake These Things by Nick Visconti. Now okay. we will have it with us always.
1: Wide sloping M's.
0: Thanks Absolutely. again, Nick.
1: Thanks, Nick. Yeah. Nick Murmuration Visconti. That's going to be his nickname. Right.
0: Well, as we always say, we don't know exactly when this will drop. It'll be a few months from now. We were making, you know, references like we normally do of what our lives are now. We are uh, a couple days after Halloween in the middle of uh, Philadelphia's uh, World Series run. And, And anybody else have anything else that they would like to add before we wind this up? Everybody's groovy. Okay, so that means slushies, you have to talk to us instead. So um, send us uh, an email, message us on Insta, follow us on all the things, tell us how we're doing, what you'd like us to do. And thanks so much for listening. Bye. Thank you.